And that's Traffic from 1970 with Steve Winwood on lead vocals. It is Life, MMA, and NBA. I'm your host, DJ San Marco, with my intrepid host, Dr. Willoughby Woo. Will, how are you this evening, sir? I don't know what show I'm on. I <laughs> Where the hell is Funkarama? That'll be later. That'll be... I'll, oh I'm my gonna get, gosh. I'm going to bring some Funkarama for you later. Trust is me. Nick even here? Are you here, Nick? Is, are we on? Am I on the right show? Okay. I, I think <laughs> I think I signed up for the wrong program. I think uh, it might have been Wednesday instead of Tuesday that we're doing this. I love it. I love it. All right, let me give some some love and respect to my brothers who I missed last week. Dr. Will Wu of uh, Cal State Long Beach, uh, professor of motor control and learning, and my other host uh, Nicholas Cazono sociology major now nursing student and heavy metal bass legend <laughs> what's up nick that should get a reaction yeah that's what i'm talking about he's got the yeah. two fingers up he's pretending like he's I've been out the game for a while man yeah he's front <laughs> row at ronnie james dio right now so uh but anyway right. it's it's a pleasure to be back with you guys on the 29th of december on a tuesday night i'm super excited to be with my brothers again to talk some MMA, some crazy Dana White business. Uh, we're going to talk some life uh, in the form of that movie, The Phenomenon, which uh, was written by, uh, directed by James Fox uh, about UFOs, about what's going on with the government, the government officials that have now come out and talking about it. Uh, I think Will watched it last night. Uh, even though I bought it for Nick, I doubt he watched it. I think he was watching Dave Chang make uh, Bimmy Bop. And um... <laughs> oh, you got to check out the Chef Show. Got to check out the Chef Show, Nick. I, I I was looking at that. It's on Netflix, right? Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll check that out. Well, right now, I'm watching Shit's Creek. That show is ah, hilarious. Ah. I was just going to say, how talented is John Favreau? John Favreau's um, one of the producers and writers and main features on The Chef Show. And he did a movie called The Chef. And he I'm also, sure also oh, yeah. reinvigorated, reinvigorated the Star Wars um, storylines with what he did with Mandalorian. Oh, nice. Guys. Yeah, as talented. Yeah. Oh man, you can't. You can't ever you can't forget. Right you there. can't ever forget the classic swingers. Can't ever forget that one. Elf. That's a good movie too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but he breathed some life like into the Star or... Wars. Breathed some life in the Star Wars franchise with what he did with that with the Mandalorian series. I don't know if you've watched it or not, DJ. But I have not. Uh, oh. I hear raving. I hear rave reviews about it. So, so I guess good. I ought to. And I think from an artistic and technical level too, he's really doing some amazing things with special effects and how he's how he's actually doing the filming too. Well, um, you've talked me into it. <laughs> it didn't take long. No, you got <laughs> no, you, you got to watch it and then watch the making of, and you'll have a new found respect for him. And then you watch all his other stuff, and um, like he's really into the culinary arts. Mm -hmm. And then all around the entertainment side, he's all playing different kinds of roles. But when you see him in the culinary arts, um, you know he's he's got more than just uh, film and inter film and entertainment going on that of, of his interests. So it's pretty cool stuff. I cool dig dude. it, man. I cool will. Uh, and he so John Favreau is director of The Mandalorian. Yeah, he will. He produce he produces it, writes it, directs it, 
Um, he directed all the Iron Mans. Okay. Um, and then Those he's got a whole yeah, he's got a ton of other stuff that he did too. Did um, he do the third one? Or was that a different director? Because I know some of the sequels of these superhero movies, not they don't have they don't all have the same director. Yeah, you can I don't tell know because some of the sequels are garbage. <laughs> Bad. Stylistically, you can the third movie. Like like in Mandalorian, you could tell stylistically they use a lot of different directors or they rotate through uh, a group of directors, and you could tell okay. you could tell the difference. Um, between them which is like kind of cool things don't get stale and then it kind of you if you know yeah, the background yeah, yeah. behind it you look forward to certain episodes or whatnot the but harry he, potter's are the same way yeah yeah like harry yeah. Potter. yeah so um it adds a little bit of uh style element to it but if you saw the last episode of mandalorian i'm jealous if you haven't watched it yet dj because you ex- you get to experience or nick you get to experience it anew again um wow I can't. It's like, yeah. And they're heard, on season two. Really so you can... I've seen, yeah, I've seen the first two episodes and it was really good. Yeah. So. I mean, people talk a lot about baby Yoda, um, but it's cool how they, how they mix in or how he mixes in a character like baby Yoda, who's going to draw the kids in mm-hmm. and draw a certain demographic in, but at the same time, still being, um, you have your star Wars nut jobs, right. That are just going to be super hypercritical of everything being able to draw those people in at the same time. So being able to do that is, is pretty amazing. Yeah. People like Lou Thomas. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm a huge nerd. I'm totally into it. So I, I will, I will watch it, uh, based on those recommendations and to my co-host, Nick Cazono, uh, Nick, where do you want to start? Are we starting with MMA? Would you rather start with life? Yeah, let's do a little MMA. Yeah, think, yeah okay. do a little MMA, then we'll go into life. And then, and then we'll go do some NBA up. at the end. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah exciting. Uh, Cleveland Cavs, man, are 3-1. and one. Uh, They are one game out of first place, and had they not lost that game, they would be at the top right now. So, uh, wow, very happy for the Cavs. Um, your Cleveland Cavaliers. So, true. true. Uh, but there's, before, there's before, 72 games this season. Before we go DJ? any further... So they have. Give it up for my my Christmas present, LeBron James, and my number twenty three jersey, man. Thank you, Katiani. LBJ. Yes. yes. All right. So yeah, Santa brought me uh, a Columbia Sports work shirt that I needed, and uh, brought me this LeBron James jersey. So I'm extremely extremely happy. Uh, That's a cool gift. That's a cool gift. She likes you a lot. Yes. Yes, I'm very, very happy because I've been sporting the LeBron Cleveland shirt for like too long now. So, oh yeah, <laughs> so that's what? like that's like playing on an Atari system these days. It is. Hey, I know. Yeah, you just went right in Nick's world, man. He's got hey, an Atari, man. man. His Space Invaders T-shirt. So. <laughs> you gotta know that LeBron James is probably sitting back in L.A. after just got his new ring, and he's probably saying. Damn, I should have done this when I was young. Been out here in L.A. Oh man, I mean, <laughs> no, I mean, I think he did. He did the. I, in my opinion, no, he, did, he did fine. Yeah, we're starting with NBA now, uh, surreptitiously. Sorry, but, sorry, guys. You uh, go but, back to MMA. No, I, I, I feel like he did the right thing at the right time. He gave the Cavs seven years to put a team around him. He dragged teams to literally like sixty wins. Dragged them to the finals. And Jordan had would have left the Bulls if they didn't uh, finally get a team around him in seven years, which they did. 
and then they won, he won his first title. Uh, LeBron had to go to Miami to make that happen, and then the first year he kind of deferred to D. Wade. He didn't want to go in there and be like, yo, this is my team. And then D. Wade said, look, uh, if we're going to win, you're going to need to take the reins, and so the next year they won. Obviously, he had a, a really poor 2011, but other than that, um, the guy. And then, you know, he came back. He won for Cleveland. Um, he won for Cleveland. I think Cleveland was happy when he did that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, if he wants to leave, he wants to leave. Like, I don't think when, – when he left the second time, not too many people are unhappy compared to when he left to Miami. Miami, everyone was devastating Cleveland. People were just like well, burning pissed. his jersey. Yeah, I mean, it was bad. I mean, they were the an, did it. The they were an immediate it. finals team when – they were. Uh, I'll look it up. They were an immediate finals team when he was there. Uh, Cleveland yeah, Cavaliers. it's just the way he did it. It was just like let's hold a press conference. I bet that wasn't his idea. That that was well, actually. I mean, that was actually the idea of ESPN because they there's a whole third. I think there's a thirty for thirty. There's a whole documentary on it. So if you guys want to check that out. Um, it tells how Still, that though, happened. And even that if was it his... wasn't his idea, it's on him. I mean, he's the guy saying these things. Well, it was on him, but that it wasn't his idea. First of all, he's not the one that decided he was going to say it at the end. And he wasn't the one. Uh, he was just the one who made the decision not to come back. You know, which, which is If he would have done that, if he would have said that without all the glitz and the grammar, the all the attention and everything like that. I mean, I don't think people would. It wouldn't have hurt as much to Cleveland yeah. if he did it that way. And people were fine with him leaving, but it's just the way he did it. It was on primetime TV. All eyes were on him. No one knew what he was gonna do. Like no one knew what his decision was gonna be. And then boom, he drops that bomb that he's taking his talents to South Beach. <laughs> that was <laughs> hard, man. Or whatever. That was cold. People were like, ooh. That was cold. I didn't know that. It was cold. Yeah. Yeah, so. I'm. I'm trying to, but you can understand why mm-hmm. he. Let's. All right. So you know, let's just take that. But you can understand why he left. I mean, you know, they just they could not put a team around the guy, and he just said, "Okay, that's enough." So yeah, I mean, I, it, it makes it a one. So yeah, yeah championship. It, we're good. It's all good. Totally, he made up for it. Yeah. And if you look at his his NBA career like a like a book not that it's over by any means but this is how good he is you could still look back and see how how he's written the chapters of his nba career you know starting off in cleveland miami then in la winning a, and then back well he went back to cleveland actually was able to get a championship for the cleveland cavaliers although dj is super pumped about their three and one start they're still over 65 games to go in the regular season. Um, the little victories gonna... matter in Cleveland. Yeah, little well, victories okay. matter, exactly. <laughs> Let them have these little victories. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Um, I mean, the year before he came there, they were 33 and 49 uh, with Kyrie Irving as the premier player. Okay. The next year, LeBron comes. This is the 14-15 season, and they immediately go and win 53 games that year. Let me see. If oh, that, that, was that was that's that's only because yeah. Kyrie Kyrie matured and he had an extra. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It right. was really it, yeah. It was only because him. of that. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, they went to the finals that year, uh, but they didn't 
They lost. Oh, Eastern Conference first round lost NBA Finals two to four. So they took two games off the Warriors with a roster, and they're talking about. I can't remember somebody was talking about uh, who was on the uh, Anderson Vergeau, Matthew Delavadova. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. I mean, he it, chug, it like he, he used to chug coffee in between. Yeah, there was orders the, and stuff or something to like get them all hyped up. Kevin Love did uh, wasn't there. He wasn't there yet. And Jared Smith was there. Actually, okay, Kevin Love was there, but he was hurt and did not play. And Kyrie Irving did not play, and he still took two games oh, off that. the Warriors. That. Yeah, that was a seventy-three that. win yeah. squad. Yeah. Yeah. DJ, how how does he win two games off the Warriors without Kyrie Irving? I, I just I don't know how I don't know possible? how he did it. I I don't know how's how I don't know how this could happen but I will say this guys uh if you've seen what Kyrie and Kevin look like I mean those guys are just like tearing up the league right now man they are just like Kyrie Kevin is on a mission uh, all right first of all will do you consider okay this is a loaded question and Nick you could chime in too so you had a team that was a 73-win team. Um, the the Cavs had beaten Golden State after Golden State eliminated Kevin Durant in the Western Conference Finals when he was in Oklahoma State. So the next season, Kevin comes and joins a team that has Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Andre Iguodala, and then you fill in the rest. And then wins two, I don't know, would they win two titles? I think they won two titles with Kevin. I'd have to I'd have to look that up. But do you consider that, yeah. him a champion? No, and I will. I'll go look it up. Do you consider him a champion, uh, both of you guys, the way that you would consider, like, for example, Steph Curry, who did it before him, or LeBron, or... Um, D Wade and Shaq, you know, what do you think about that? What's your opinion on that? Overall, yes, but if you just look at it, champions amongst champions, absolutely not. Okay. Okay, that's I mean, that's. Go ahead, Nick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. I guess it's a team sport, and if you just kind of hop aboard a team that's already stacked, it's going to win anyhow. Your victory is not as, I guess, legit. As maybe some of these other guys who only have you know a couple other star players or one or two star players that or one major star player and they've won the championship. So, I mean, but still at the end of the day, you got a ring. All hey, those rings all look the same. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, Lakers I, I, ones look a little better. Oh, <laughs> Will. Oh. All right, I'm just gonna put okay my two cents. So they went. There's a team that won with 67 and 15. And won the NBA Finals versus the Cavs in 16-17. And now here comes Kevin Durant. And let me see if this is the team that had Durant. Was it the 17-18 team? Yes. That one that, that, uh, that then adds Kevin Durant. I mean, and of course, they won the NBA Finals for, for nothing against the Cavs. Couldn't even. Okay, so my stance on this, guys, is I said I alluded to this last time. I don't see the value in bringing three major, major superstars together, like 
if, again, uh, when the Lakers were trying to get Kawhi Leonard and you would have had Anthony Davis, LeBron, and Kawhi. Like, why play the season? Like, why? it's not fun if you already know who's going to win. I mean, that's how my best friend felt when Golden State had that same type of roster when Durant joined. And he's just, him and my other friend, they got, they're really big into the NBA. And they, and they just said, you know, the NBA is broken because of this team. They play a lot of video games. So, why? Yes. like, the NBA is broken because of this team. So, yeah, why they just repeated kind of what you just said. Why watch the season when you already know who's going to win, even if you're basically just watching to see who's going to be second place? Yeah, <laughs> it's like. Eventually beat by these guys. Yeah, like, I don't want another. The Lakers have two superstars now. I don't I like what if Kate what if Kevin uh, will what if Kevin Durant said I'm going to come to the Lakers and it'll be oh. me AD and LeBron. I'm just throwing it out it. and uh, he yeah. would as a Laker uh, yeah he wouldn't but as a as a hypothetical as a Laker fan you're you're happy because you want another championship and you want to see um you want to see wins. So as a as a Laker fan you're happy about that, but as an NBA fan, you're not happy about that because you know what the you probability-wise, you know what the outcome is going to be. But I will push back a little bit because the Lakers that one year, the Lakers had that team with Shaq, Kobe, um, Gary Payton, Karl Malone. Although yeah, but those guys Gary were Payton, scrubs by then. Yeah, they were, they not, were a little yeah. they were a little bit older. Yeah, but they still they still had the team that had one champ like that won championships. Right, you still have Derek Fisher and like those guys. And you add those types of guys, and then you play. They played a Detroit Pistons team that actually absolutely ruined them in the finals. Yes, right? but it, basically the way they won, but the way they won, it made that team. It, it broke that team the way they won. And who was on that team? You had Rashid Wallace, who you wouldn't say is a great. You had ben Rip Wallace. Hamilton, who ben would Wallace. You, Ben Wallace, who you would not say is a great. Rip Hamilton, who you would not say is a great. There were no there there were players on that team who you don't go oh that's like one of the greatest of all time, right? So I think right there and you still had Kobe Shaq regardless you still had Kobe Shaq, right on that team. This is this they is were, and Tayshawn Prince on that team Tayshaun and you had a Prince lot of amazing. dudes that fit well and played really good together. So I I basically what I'm saying is you still build that team that fits well. Uh, plays really well together, and in the playoffs, if you pay attention to the playoffs, there's a certain type of player that you that you need in the playoffs, um, and it's not necessarily for the regular season. So if you can build those players, if you can have those players on your team that can win you playoff games like that, I mean, I'm gonna be... I'm gonna make an analogy, Professor. Um, first of all, the, this is one of those examples of why these sayings became famous. Is the whole is greater than the sum of their parts, A. And B, now I'm going to contradict myself and say not really. Because the, the the Lakers did not have the Gary Payton that played against the Bulls in the finals for the Sonics. They didn't have the Carl Malone who was... I mean, there wasn't even a question of whether or not he was going to be the power forward for the Western Conference starter. I mean, period. Just the same as the Rockets did not have the Charles Barkley that played with Philadelphia that was an absolute unstoppable monster inside this 6'4 guy, like having seven footers and pushing the ball through their hands and dunking, you know. They didn't have Scottie Pippen that Jordan had. 
and they didn't have Clyde Dre. So it matters when the player's older. Just like LeBron didn't have the D Wade that Shaq had on Miami. So when they're not at the, that, if those guys, if you had had that Gary Payton and that Carl Malone, bye-bye Pistons. I mean, that wasn't going to happen for you guys. <laughs> so, I mean, so anyway, so that, that, that's, that's kind of my thought on that. As for KD, I would not want to see him on the Lakers, uh, even though I'm a fan of the squad, because it, it takes away, we're taking something that has a lot of meaning and then we're taking that meaning and we're extracting it out because we made the team unfair. Because if that's the case, well, you know, we'll bring over James Harden. We'll get John Morant over from Memphis or, you know, and then, you know, there's just, or Trey Young from Atlanta. It's not competitive. It's just silly. So you got us, the, the beauty of the NBA is that, you know, Jamal Murray and Jokic are on Denver, you know, and, and uh, Kawhi and Paul George are on the Clippers and LeBron and AD. You start bringing in three or four of these super-duper players, it's like, it's not fun. You know, because it's not like football where there's 53 guys. There's only five guys on the court at a time. You know, so uh, it's not like the Bears. I, I know you guys don't remember the 85 Bears, but I know you heard of them. And actually, your 85 Cleveland Browns were just... Oh man, they were they were monstrous to watch. I loved watching those Browns teams. So Kevin Mack and Ernest Biner just running the ball, just smashing it, and it was just really a a, a great day by John Elway. Uh, or they would have been more competitive in the Super Bowl by far than than Denver was against the Giants. So anyway, all right, nobody wants to hear DJ Sports Histrionics. Uh, <laughs> so we'll move off the NBA, but before we move off the NBA, I just want to ask, Will, what's going on with James Harden and asking and demanding a trade from Houston, showing up overweight, something that, you know, I don't know if you know, the heat does a body fat measurement every Monday. And if you don't make that body fat measurement, Pat Riley finds you. Um, really? so yes, yes. What's the body fat? I don't know. I, I I don't know what it. It's I think it's individual. Like they, you know, they give you like a yeah, target like that you 15, have to hit, and they want you to be like twelve in a couple of months or something, whatever. Every Monday, every Monday they do it. Wow. So you're not going to be at prime one twelve. Going, yo, let me have that loaded baked potato. So <laughs> actually, actually for them, it's probably uh, an indirect uh, substance abuse. Um, procedure <laughs> i was gonna say the nba uh stopped testing for uh marijuana so yeah that's so now, that's probably yeah. uh their alternative measure for that <laughs> so i don't know so but anyway so... weed, but don't be eating those big man yeah. <laughs> <laughs> didn't try to do one without the other so when... <laughs> what what <laughs> carrot sticks with that uh joint so what is your thoughts on harden now trying to hold up I mean, basically, they put a new team in there with uh, Wood, with Boogie Cousins. Uh, I'm trying to remember who the other new player they added is. I'm going to have to look this up. And James oh, they, Harden. They added John Wall. John Wall, thank you. Yeah, and the and, Russell Westbrook trade. And, and, the, and so there's still demand. He's still demanding a trade. How do you think, what do you think this means for the NBA in terms of the future? Uh, well, right now, if no one has been paying attention, it's a uh, it's a player run league. 
uh, which a lot of old what? school people. What? What? It's a it's a player run league, which a lot. Of, <laughs> oh, you're being facetious. Sorry about that. <laughs> Come on, Will. <laughs> I would say that a lot of old school people don't like that. Right? They want the players just be quiet, play basketball under their contracts, make their millions, and not say anything and not have any influence at all. Um, so I, the opposite of that is the NFL, which is not friendly to the players at all. Right, you can get mm-hmm. cut at any time, not guaranteed contracts, whatever it may be. I'm personally more a fan of the NBA because the NBA allows its players to be people, and it allows players to be people unique to their backgrounds and etc. And we saw that um, during the pandemic and during all these major social issues that our countries ha- has been going through recently. And um, the league was a la- the league enabled their players to come out. And do what's right, right? When we look at when we look at history, it'll be looked at as the NBA was a league that allowed the players to be able to voice their concerns, which will benefit right social our country socially. And so, from what I've heard, the the major the major issue or the major reason behind the James Harden thing is related to that. Um, and I don't blame him for that. I can't blame him for not wanting to play with some, someone who's actively working against what it is that you believe in as an individual and who you are as an individual. Um, so from that standpoint, it's do you just shut up and play ball and make your millions um, and not offend and not do any, anything to anyone? I mean, we have, we, have, we have a record of that, of people doing that. Um, or are you the person that's a little bit more similar to the people who we revere for social in our social justice in sports, like, um, like Jim Brown, like Muhammad Ali, who at the time, Muhammad Ali, I mean, how, 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 what was the sentiment towards Muhammad Ali during the time when he was, when he was pushing back? I mean, he was, he was a villain, but now when we regard him right now, when we have some time that's gone by and we go, Oh yeah, you know, he was right. Um, and now we revere him. Uh, so I, I just kind of look at it as, as, as a, as a human being, as a man in society, as a person in society, you know, I support him. He, I, I, if I was one of, one of his buddies, I would say, dude, stand up for what you believe in, because you can't, you are like one of the top five players in the NBA. So if you can't do it, no one, no one is going to be doing it. Um, and the NBA affords you the opportunity to do this. Unlike the NBA, or sorry, unlike the NFL, unlike Major League Baseball, although Major League Baseball is getting a little bit better, but nowhere near the NBA, I'd say go for it. Um, but I could see how, like, you know, you get old school people with old school mindsets that are just saying, you have a contract, you should be playing. Um, and these people that are just saying this have no, have probably never experienced any of the things that he's experienced or some of the things that he's fighting for. So let's. Uh, you know, we'll transition to life a little bit. And, you know, actually, I, I kind of forgot what I was going to say. I had something. I should have I shut Will down a little earlier. No, <laughs> uh, but it, it's, it's, it's on this, this topic here that we're talking about, but it wasn't directly James Harden. But I'll, Nick, I'm, I'll ask you for, for your thoughts while I, I try to gather myself because uh, I had something that was tangential to what Will was just talking about. 
So, Will, what are what are your thoughts on the situation? Well, actually, yeah, the NBA, yeah, they they definitely took a stand. I think what I wanted to talk about that was life related and 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 um, also NBA related was uh, John McCarthy, Big John McCarthy, and Josh Thompson on their podcast weighing in. And so I will hit you now that I've recovered, uh, Nick. I'll ask you about this, but to me, John McCarthy said, and I quote, he said, the reason NBA ratings are down, he goes, is because of this this political stuff. He goes, I don't want to see that crap, quote crap, uh, when, I, when I go to watch a, a game. And I want to say to you guys and then get your reaction to this, Nick, and your thoughts. I also don't like to mix politics with sports. However, I think the part that the critical element that John McCarthy's missing is that it's not politics for these guys. It's their life. It's that this they see people who look like them that are being killed senselessly, whether you agree or disagree, there are people, you know, unarmed people being killed and they say, well, that I have to do something about that. And the only thing I have is my platform. And since I'm negotiating with the owners and I have uh, the ear of the commissioner, this is what they're going to let us do to represent a cause. The politics aspect of it was brought in by the guy in the White House. He's the one who called out individuals by name, like LeBron James. And so, and again, and I want to I be very clear. I am not against conservatism or republicanism um i think good governance is a mixture a blending of uh of liberalism and conservatism and when you blend them both together you end up with good governance um and i don't think one is you know if you had everything you know uh liberal or everything conservative it would be great now it's actually not. It's a blending. So I don't begrudge anybody being whatever political affiliation. I celebrate, you know, both. I don't like, though, call, you know, when you have somebody who's like in the White House and is individually calling out athletes and saying uh, negative uh, things about that athlete and about their cause. So, Nick, I ask you, uh, what are your thoughts on what you heard from Big John and Josh about that. I don't mind when people express their opinions and use their platform to sort of raise awareness and, 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 you know, and all that sort of stuff. So, I mean, honestly, a lot of things that sad to say, but a lot of, a lot of important issues sometimes don't really get the the attention it deserves based on the fact that you know, um, not the right person, or just just the, it's almost like a popularity contest or and everything. So having that platform to sort of get more eyes on it, raises more awareness of it. And that's with a lot of things. So I feel regardless if you agree with those stances or not, I think a lot of these issues definitely need to be talked about more and everything. And if sometimes if people with these platforms don't use it, sometimes the, the issue itself doesn't doesn't get talked about enough and then you know the more we talk about it hopefully you know we, we could come together and have some sort of solution to it 
and obviously it, it can't it definitely gets messy there's a lot of you know polarizing sides on a lot of these issues and everything but i don't have an issue with anybody in any sport in any form of entertainment sort of voicing their opinions on stuff as long as they're uh have merit as you know some like mel gibson saying <laughs> the holocaust didn't exist you know this bogus sort of stuff like that can be detrimental and harmful and everything else like you know and all these other types of people with these platforms that see sort of falsified information on certain subjects but if it's just like a stance on an issue that is pretty prevalent or that needs to be prevalent then i have no no uh, problem with that so i mean and we live in a society that for the most part allows that regardless of the blowback you get from it i mean so i don't have an issue with it at all i never have so and and to to, to to big john i just say i again i agree with you sir <laughs> i don't care for uh politics with my sports i also use sports to escape politics i'll basically do anything i'll go outside and like grab a hunk of grass and put it in my mouth to avoid politics uh so i agree with you on that but i think that just the, the one part you're missing is this it's not really about politics but you would understand if you saw people if you were part of this smaller group of people 14 percent or whatever uh, uh black folks represent in our country and you said saw people being killed that looked just like you and you're a part of this group, whether if you were a Jew or whether you were uh, a Pole in 1939 in Germany, you know, you were a Pole or you were a Slavic person, uh, part of a very, very uh, small group, you would you would say, oh, you know what? It, I'm not really thinking about this in politics. I'm thinking about my brothers and sisters are, are being killed and I don't agree with the way it's going on. And by the way, I'm also a firm supporter of law enforcement and think that without them, we would have absolute chaos in the streets within probably minutes of people being aware that police weren't patrolling. So uh, I do agree with, uh, I don't agree with how, uh, you know, people of color are, are often treated, not all the time, but sometimes. So anyway, uh, so that's life. Okay, Will, that's life. And yeah, let's... <laughs> you know, I didn't. I didn't hear what he said. But based off what, what, how you describe it, crap. It's Quote. unfortunate. It's unfortunate that he says that, and people have to listen to it. It's just his inability to distinguish and comprehend the difference between politics and social justice, or politics and criminal justice. Right. I mean, it's it's to think to think that what those players were protesting for, and people think that it's political. It's their failure to educate themselves or pay attention to when they when they were in school right no one said and i didn't see anyone with biden trump or whatever their no they were they were saying vote are. they were saying like get out and vote but they didn't say vote for who so basically they're they're encouraging people Civic to do duty. what the constitution says Civic right? duty. so is is it political if we say get out get out and uh, volunteer for a, a military military service. No. Is that political? So I think what I think what it reveals is it reveals who they are, who they're listening to and what their belief system, what their belief system is when they say that. Um, and to me, it's a litmus test, right? It's a litmus test to what are their fundamental beliefs? 
and subconsciously it's coming. Oh, that's not subconsciously. It's, it's coming out. Like it's saying it. It's, they're being revealed to us. If they think something like that is political, then I know exactly who they're listening to. I know exactly what their political platforms and beliefs are, right? And then I know exactly how much, how well educated or how much they paid attention in well, school <laughs> when you think about those types because they can't make that distinction, right? If you can't make that distinction, distinction of politics and, and social justice, then you're uneducated. You're, you're not educated on, on it. Well, I, I don't I, I, I don't want to assume that I know his entire platform and his politics, because if you listened a little further to what he said regarding Dana and the way that uh, and so uh, here on uh, Life MMA and NBA, we're transitioning now a little bit to MMA where Dana White came out and attacked the media. Luke Thomas did and his uh, co-host. What's his, his co-host name, Nick? Brian Campbell. Brian Campbell did. They did a wonderful bit of this on their show that's uh, up on YouTube if you go to Luke Thomas on YouTube. Um, but the way that Dana came out and attacked the media, really some of the things were taken out of context. Some of them were without merit. And basically uh, a lot of these folks just wanted to see uh, uh, the UFC take measures that were responsible in response to COVID and making sure that fighters were being tested because they had done that show in Brasilia, right? Where uh, there wasn't, uh, I guess there wasn't uh, any testing no that happened testing. For, for that one, right? Uh, and then uh, then they, they really ramped it up. They had the whole thing where they were trying to uh, do a card in California. California said, no, we won't sanction you. So they were going to go and do it on the uh, Tachi Palace Tachi uh, Indian Reservation, and then uh, the the government officials in California basically shut that down and said, you know what, you, you need to not do this. Uh, we're not sanctioning it. And John McCarthy pointed out that those refs may have been suspended uh, if uh, if they so if you would have had Jason Herzog or Mike Beltron or I forget who the or Herb guys there in California that it, they could have been suspended from. Uh, working in other states uh, because of them uh, supporting that card. So there was a lot of a lot to lose with that card. So Dana, once again, the point that I wanted to make and that John also made is that you, Dana, are trying to act like a certain political figure that likes to say the word fake news, that likes to attack the media. And the media is basically our First Amendment rights. You know, I mean, they the media is keeping a watch on what the UFC is doing, just the way that uh, the media keeps a watch on what the White House is doing, whether it's, you know, you have Obama in office or something and you want to have a, you know, you definitely want somebody there that's that's sitting front row. That's maybe from a news like Fox that's asking tough questions that is making sure that whatever that administration is doing, uh, that they're going to have to answer for it. And the same thing when it's. Uh, a Republican administration, you want to have somebody there that's asking the difficult questions. You don't want... So Dana attacking the media, to me, looked like a very cheap, second-hand, second-rate uh, adaptation, uh, basically imitation, impression of what Trump is. And it didn't come off very well. It didn't come off as authentic 
but it looked like he tried really hard and you spent some production dollars on that. Uh, Nick, I think you're up. Is this you? This is me. Yeah, <laughs> go for it, brother. Let's hear from you. I mean, yeah, I think you're right in regards to that, and I think he just likes to. I think he likes to use himself just, just to be in the limelight. I mean, you have Dana White's Contender Series. Why does it have to be? Dana oh White's wow, yeah, that's interesting. Series. I think they that was just a. Others. It could have been any yeah. name. It could have been you know I mean, Daniel you know, Sullivan. Whatever. Or, he's hosting yeah. it, and he's part of the UFC, yeah. so why not just throw your name in there? Tyron got... Woodley's Contender Series. I don't know. Yeah. Be that. Or Mega and Olivia's Contender <laughs> yeah. Series. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I vote for that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that you know that that probably be successful but i mean then he has another show with him and matt sarah i forgot what they just they just like goof around and i think they're lo looking for a fight that's mm -hmm. but he, his name's not in it dana he's got a show oh oh actually it was him oh it was it was dana yeah. white's looking for a fight looking for a fight and they yeah. would see these and that name and... popped up again yeah what will can you believe the coincidence that <laughs> dana's in i this You're is be like funny. You know how the NBA has for years had Jerry West as their logo. The logo. If UFC had a logo, it would be like of a big <laughs> be bald, bald dude head. with rocked with, up. With, yeah, with way too much HGH in his system. Yeah, a logo. <laughs> that is nuts, man. That yeah, but so like funny. you know, just getting back into what we were talking about, I think he just likes to just pat himself on the back and. And just be in the the limelight and the spotlight, and just be like, I'm awesome. I mean, he's done some he's done some amazing things in MMA. Everyone he has, he, he has. Everyone, whether you like him or not, now or before, well, now is a little bit more relevant. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like you you have to give him the credit that he is due and everything, and everyone does, everyone does. But then it gets to a certain point where it's just like, all right, like great, you're you're good at your job. He did some amazing events during the pandemic. Once you had the proper protocol in place, everyone's fine. So why, you know, just to just to drag people down and make make the, you know, then you know, then that. I think the reason why I did that is because I because of the reasons that I think you sort of revealed, and I agree with you in regards to that. But it's just I don't know, man. I think I think his. Uh, I think he's just taking, not really taking his time, but he knows his window maybe isn't as is is probably narrowing in this career of his. I I don't I really don't think so. The... Yeah, I don't think so either. I don't think so either. How I many think... years do you think he has? Well, one one of the interesting thing, one of the interesting things, and I want to what I want to get to, and I just want to say it now so I don't forget it. Will is I'm going to tell you what John McCarthy's reaction to this uh, this issue we're talking about that might surprise you, but. I heard one of the journalists, I don't know if it was an MMA fighting person or a bloody elbow person, but they're basically saying those of you who think that Dana is going to like step away and next thing Chael Sonnen is going to be up there or Connor or Colby, they said, man, he's not going anywhere. This guy is a senator that is going to sit in that chair for 40 years because he's not going to want to give up that power. It's about power. It's not about uh, oh I'm I mean what what are you gonna do retire from what from going and running your mouth and uh, showing up on TV and no I mean I don't I think Dana is probably close to my age I think you could expect to see him another ten years easily 
for the most part, do we see the fights that we want to see? No, we do. We do. We do. For the most part, we there do. are fights that that do. don't happen, or maybe don't happen yeah. soon enough. But the large majority of the time, I think he gets it right. I'll say this. I know DJ disagrees, but all right, name me, name me ten fights that we should have saw this year that we didn't get to see this year. This well, year, I, this year's that not was, a good year to use because th- this was COVID year. So I, I, I'm not going to well, give him a lot of crap for this all right. year. 2019. I think uh, what's happened is that, uh, and we got to get back to. Let me let me just finish this point, and then we'll we'll move on to that. Okay. But I just want to tell Will. So, basically, the shot that we just took at Dana trying to basically be what I call my twinner, which is Dana Trump or Dana Trump Jr., is and again, I have nothing against Republicans and conservatives, so this is totally not about that, but. You, we have a guy that's trying to be another guy that's trying to in in everything he does now he fashions himself after you guys don't know anything about business i know more than i you know all this kind of stuff and john mccarthy said you know what he said you know dan i know you're trying to be like this guy that you really like you know and you're trying to work really hard to pat yourself on the back but real leaders don't do that real leaders don't have to tell say look how awesome i am watch me pat myself on the back you know that's not something that uh that they do so that's what that's what i'm i was getting at there is that john mccarthy actually agrees with us and i don't necessarily think that he is somebody who uh wouldn't criticize uh what the white house does so just just to let you know you know you you we don't always know somebody's entire platform just based on one thing because a friend of ours, and I'm not going to name this person, but he's somebody who is a friend of our show, so all three of us know this person and have talked to him, said to me um, that John John was a law enforcement officer. Yep. So for him, it's very personal to him, you know, more than than uh, in a different way. None of us were, at, were Leos. Uh, I do support law enforcement uh, because I've seen what happens when they're not around, but... Um, but yeah, I, I I just think that John might have a little bit of a blind spot on that. So, all right. So now you were wanting to go to fights, okay? So we were supposed to see a just for example this year. I mean, we've already talked about this. We were supposed to see a primed Jorge Masvidal versus. So now what the UFC is doing, and we discussed this on the phone, is they're taking a card. So let's say we have a fight night card. Because Nick, you were asking me, oh, do you think we're going to see some really big fights on there? And I said, probably not. If you do, you might see one. And what they're doing is saying, okay, we have a card. And so we want to make, this is what the salaries are going to be for this card. So each slot, you know, main event, co-main event, third fight down, main event of the prelims, all that. And they're establishing, I know you're, you're looking to, to decry what I'm saying, they're trying to decide oh, how about something else. Don't don't <laughs> how much they. You're like eh, he's full of it, man. Shut up, DJ. Oh um, don't, don't look at my face. But <laughs> you're, you're so, so pretty. Me. You like Muhammad Ali. You're so pretty. Look how pretty I am. <laughs> so um, anyway, so they're seeing how much they can spend on a card, and if you don't meet that number, you know, then they'll just kanks it, and that's what happened. You were very upset 
that Masvidal did not get a full camp when he fought Usman. And you, in fact, believe that fight might be different, right? And maybe it would because he only got, yes, because he only got nine days notice. That fight would not happen, period, except for that uh, Gilbert Durino got, uh, got COVID. Uh, and that's why. So that's just one example, but there's several of them that, well, that are like that. What, what, what other ones? Uh, so if it was so, if we if we lost so many fights because of you know the UFC just not wanting to pay oh, those fights, which I agree. So the other one was Colby versus Usman. We had lost that one, and then and then they came back around and they did it. But but, the, Colby, but we had lost Colby that one. T Wood during a prime. Colby T. and T Wood, we lost. Yep. Okay. What yep. else? Maybe a Nate Diaz fight. I don't somebody? care. I don't care about. I don't care about the Diaz brothers. Because not because I don't love watching them fight, but they're not serious about this. They just want to jerk, jerk, jerk everybody's chain. Will, help me out. Will, where are you, man? Catch my back. Will, Will we trained at Gracie Baja team. together, man. I'm looking up at the stars. There might be something important. <laughs> <laughs> there might be something important like right around there. <laughs> what am I? No, no, no. I, I agree with Nick on this, DJ, because okay. I don't think, like, I'm not a huge Dana White fan for how, like, some of his antics, know, some of his behavior, mm-hmm. I guess, and some of his decisions. But I can't tell you, I do enjoy watching his pre- uh, his uh, post fight press conference mm-hmm. press conferences. Yeah, um, not because I necessarily agree with him, because I think what he does for his job, I think he does, I think he does it well. I think he, I don't think we look at him as being the head of an organization and saying, that guy didn't give us all these fights. That's not the first thing that we think about. Okay. Right. He get for the most part, we get the fights that, that we want and we get it at points of their careers in which we, we don't necessarily say like the Pacquiao Mayweather fight. Right. Um, we don't get like, we don't get that. We got Khabib and, uh, the bullshit guy. Um, when oh, he won't even say Connor, <laughs> Connor, 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 because <laughs> the show's named after him. So I'm, you know, um, <laughs> but I just, I just love it. I just love the 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 training videos of Khabib and DC's like harassing about Connor, and he goes, "Well, you won't say his name." He goes, "Oh, the bullshit guy." <laughs> I love it. It's just so funny, and I like saying it. Um, it's hilarious. But yeah, I think he's done. Um, I think he's done a good job with the organization. Um, now, is he infallible? Absolutely not, right? It's kind of like the whole, he's not as bad as Elon Musk. Elon Musk does awesome things. And then he's got some personality quirks that you won't look at him like this great all-around public figure. But you'll look at him and go, damn, that dude did a lot. Like Dana White did a lot for the UFC. Dude, Dana didn't get us to Mars, man. But Elon's gonna. <laughs> right? It's on a much smaller scale, but I think it's one of the it's one of the things where um, they have these uh, personality deficits. You may you might want to call it that. Don't allow you to say to put them up on a pedestal. I as, love as it as much as you normally would. I was gonna say that Dana's behavior was was to be very very kind, untoward, and Will came up with. <laughs> Will came up with personality deficit. 
That was so sweet. I'm, I am totally conceding this point to Will based on that. <laughs> Show over, start Funkarama. <laughs> We're gonna do. We're gonna do. Do you, I mean we'll do Funkarama? I just don't want to burn up your very very valuable time. Uh, we will have Funkarama to close the show. Uh, this is Life MMA BJ. Excuse me, Life MMA and NBA. This is DJ San Marco, your host, along with co-host Dr. Will Wu and Nick Kazono, my brothers in Jiu Jitsu. Uh, I'm not going to tell these guys that I hurt my shoulder again. Rolling with Juicia and his friends. Uh, oh, my God. But I might have hurt my shoulder again rolling with Juicia and his friends. So, anyway. Um, so, let's I mean, move it's on. Not, it's not like Juicia is a professional fighter or anything. No. no. Juicia took, me, took it easy on me, but there was a young man there who was, let's say, a large teenager. Picture Tyler. Uh, what's his name? Tyler, Tyler Price. Tyler Price type guy. Yeah. yeah. So, it might have been him. So, I don't know. Juicia <laughs> was... Juicy has the kind of guy that you could be injured and roll with him and he won't hurt you. So, Oh, that's high level right there. Yeah, he's very high. He's, that's yeah. high level. He's, right he is a great man. I had so much fun at his house. He brought over a jiu-jitsu coach from ATT, a guy named Luciano, who is a, um, a disciple of uh, Ricardo de la Riva and, and his son and then Juicy has son. And so we were all rolling and they were th- – they were so much fun. I mean, they super cool. I mean, if they laughed at my jokes, that should tell you something. So that that was very kind of them. Very anyway, nice. so uh, they were maybe just laughing at you. It could be. It could be. Okay. So, but either way, they were having a good time. Yeah, even if they were laughing with me, I'm still okay as long as you're laughing. So, and you, the, but afterwards, you busted them up on the on the yoga mat. Uh, you no, busted no, them up on the yoga no, mat. No, I bought. No, I actually, Breathe. I bought. <laughs> I bu- I busted up a three Motrin, got in the shower, and then I had to finish the turkey, uh, get the turkey out of the oven. So, because um, I did, I was doing turkey. You know, I had to leave the mat to open the oven and check the turkey. So yeah. So you guys anyway. just rolled jujitsu. You guys didn't. Um, did you guys do anything else? Basketball. Oh, uh, we started with basketball and. Dagestani basketball or American? Well, basketball? he started out first of all. Juicyas started off playing like Khabib okay. uh, and his boys. If you've ever seen the video of Khabib and the Dagestanis playing, they basketball. don't dribble. Yeah, there was a pr- there was a problem with dribbling. <laughs> so once they just take out a bunch of the skill that's associated with the smart. <laughs> so so what, once we got him to start dribbling on defense, he was pretty vicious on his son. It was me and Juicya going up against his son, who was pumping out threes like Steph Curry. Nice. So, um, so once we got that, me and Juicy I took the lead. We were passing the ball, and uh, and I was taking it inside. My, I started getting warmed up. Then the jujitsu guys showed up, so we put the basketball stuff away. Got the rash guards on, and and got to work on on the mats. Uh, his whole garage is basically nice. a training area. Sweet. Um, and did you guys just go right out and start rolling, or did you guys like? Oh no, there was some warm up. I had went upstairs, got changed, came down, we warmed up. Yeah. And the basketball helped out too, and just warmed up a little. Yeah, I'm sure. And it yeah. was fun. You you guys would have loved it. You you guys would absolutely loved it. So thanks for the invite, DJ. I appreciate it. Um, hey man, you guys want to come down to GCS? You know, we can make it happen, man. They Get were like, you. they were like, the Nick. They were like, no white belts, no white belts. No hell, no man. No I'm a white belt compared I'm about to them. A level of white belt so. right now. <laughs> no, you you could have totally rolled with these guys. 
and and enjoyed it. And so I uh, didn't see any pictures. So you got you didn't take any pictures. I do have. Pictures. I showed. Yeah, if I didn't send it to you, I will. Did you I'll post send you. it? You didn't even post it. I don't put. I don't post on Facebook, but I'll send it to you guys. What about on Twitter? Uh, I think there's a couple on Twitter. I, yeah, our, I saw our, a couple. Of, I saw some yeah. photos on Twitter. Oh, did you? Oh, maybe yeah. because I never go to Twitter. I didn't it see could it. be. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I asked but, who that other guy was, and you were like, "Oh, yeah, he's one of the Luciano." Yeah, I think he coaches yeah, there, and, and Juicia said he's he's pretty high level. What I was going to tell you guys is, wait, wait, wait. I got one more question, DJ. Yeah, I got one more question. Are you going to switch topics? Because I want to stay on this topic for a little bit, just for um, one question at least. Yeah, I just want to tell you guys, Juicy, I had him in a. Okay. Juicy, I was in a knee bar, and I was like, "Holy shit, Juicy, tap!" Somehow, from being in a knee bar, he does a calf slicer on Luciano and makes him tap. I don't know how he did that. With so one leg's in a knee bar, and next thing you know, the other guy is tapping and then clutching his calf. So did they laugh about it and then have a little oh, chat afterwards? Oh man, they're. I'm telling. These guys, I think, uh, from what my wife was telling me, um, this guy Luciano, his son is also 14 or 15, quite tall and, and spidery, uh, is a jiu-jitsu phenom. And the mom, all they hang out with UCF's family like every weekend. They, they get together. The sons are the same age. And so, uh, you know, in South Florida, you know, you got to be careful who you hang out with. And, and they really enjoy them so apparently they're gonna come up here for easter so i might see Wait. them up here at my house for easter but yeah so how was how was your jujitsu when you were rolling where you feel good about it um it not it was okay i mean when i i kind of lost out i became really defensive when i was going with the guy's son so mm -hmm. I, I really wasn't trying a lot of stuff that i would have liked to so um maybe i was tired at that point i started out feeling pretty good but I started to degrade a little. I wasn't getting anything done on offense after that. Okay. Uh, so we went for about an hour, and then, you know, it was time to, like, start showering. And those guys did – I think I was telling Nick, Dang, they man. didn't have dinner until 10 or 11 at night. So, Ooh. yeah. So angry. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it's just <laughs> – it's, it's a Brazilian it's, thing, man. You hang out with it's Brazilians. A little, I was going to say, I had okay. a friend who was Brazilian – and like their concept, they're very lax on their time. Apparently, yeah. I don't know if that's like true. <laughs> yeah, it's a little like early, a, little late. That's all go. Island culture. Yeah, thing, and I'm yeah. like, all right. So. Um, so let's move on. Let's move on to hashtag life, hashtag UFOs. Oh wait, I need a sound effect for this. <laughs> Oh boy! <laughs> Here you go, Will. You ready this is not me approved. This is not me approved. Okay. He's just, just struggling well, to get it the up. The X Files. The X Files. Oh, that's that's not UFO. You know what I'm talking about? There that's you go. Like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's a very. Uh... All right, so. All right, Will. Oh, so what? Now, now, now how is that UFO, DJ? I don't have anything UFO-ish. That's like you gonging me. I mean, that's all I got. Theme, man. Ah! I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> all right, so Will, uh, did you watch? Did you have a chance to watch the phenomenon last night? The great movie by James Fox that had some very compelling figures in it, from Lou Elizondo, who worked for the government. He was a GS. 13 or so working on their ATIP program 
which is um, I can't remember what it stands for now, but it's basically an advanced aerial vehicle program. Basically, the, it's it's a UFO program that they had renamed to something else, yeah. and I, I can look up what it uh, what it is. But go ahead. I did watch it, okay. and it was weird because I don't think we had discussed this before, Mm-mm. but um, I had started to pay attention to, you know, the Joe Rogan podcast with Bob Lazar, and then uh, Lex Friedman. Is that his name, Lex Friedman? Lex Friedman. He had some guys on that talk about it, and then when you have, it's like I'll, I have all kinds of bullshit filters, right? And one of the bullshit filters that I have is like I'll use academics as my bullshit filters. So Lex Friedman is a professor of artificial intelligence at um, MIT, right? Yes. So he's a really good bullshit filter. And so when he's talking talking to dudes, like there's a certain level of bullshit that he's not going to put on the show, first of all. Mm-hmm. And there's a certain level of bullshit that he's not going to deal with on the show. Mm-hmm. But either way, so I was, I, I was listening to those podcasts a lot. Um, and then you messaged me about the show and I was like, for sure, check it out. And it's kind of a different, like some crossover, similar cast of people that are saying some things and some mm-hmm. new people. But I'm just, you know, I was playing golf with a couple of buddies and I go, dude, you guys hear like this stuff that's coming out about UFOs? And they look at me like, did you just say UFOs? They like, like I'm crazy. Like you're right? a weird guy. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm totally weird. And I'm like, yeah, I, I go, Trust me, I know you think I'm a nut job, but yes, UFOs. And they're like, what do you mean? I was like, there's some like like smart dudes, government dudes that are coming out and they're kind of like slowly leaking out information um, about UFOs and things like that. And then they started going, oh, this is just not nut job territory, right? You actually have official information coming out um, and you have some high level people that are talking about it. Um, It's super fascinating, man. I mean, some of the stuff cannot be denied, like what they're saying, whether like you don't know, like it's pretty much you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> right? um, and I'm going to I'm going to post what a tip is for you guys and what, in the chat. And what and what and what I and what I mean by you don't know, is like you don't know where it's coming from. Well, let's let's talk about the genesis of credibility here. Basically, the genesis of credi- credibility is that. Lou Elizondo was a Army counterintelligence officer, and he was hired, uh, he was brought into the Pentagon to be part of the ATIP program, which is Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program. One of his mentors was a guy named Chris Mellon. Chris Mellon was the Deputy Sec- Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence, so he would brief both the uh, he would brief uh, the Senate, the House type things, and he would also uh, brief the executive branch. Okay, so uh, when these guys left the government, they Chris Mellon got them to release the the Navy uh, F four uh, FA eighteen video, the one that occurred off of San Diego in two thousand four with Lieutenant Commander uh, David Fravor, and then the recent one was much lower ranking guy. I guess he would have been like uh, an army, excuse me, a uh, Navy lieutenant, Ryan Graves, uh, which is 2015 off the coast of Jacksonville and the Theodore Roosevelt. So one was the Nimitz out west, 
to Roosevelt out east off of Jacksonville where they both saw separate UFOs, but they were uh, different, totally different types of aircraft that they saw. And in fact, Graves saw several uh, and all his friends were flying every day, his cohorts seeing the same, the same vehicles going in the water, coming out of the, all kinds of craziness, okay? So Chris Mellon and, and Lou Elizondo left lucrative government jobs because they believed in this. They're being partially funded by a member of one of Nick's tribe, Tom DeLong of Blink-182. Do you know Tom DeLong, Nick? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Tom DeLong is very, very much into, yes, Tom DeLong has opened doors in places like Italy and in South America because everybody knows Blink-182. And there are certain phone calls that Chris Mellon can make that opens doors and Lou can make. And then there's other doors that get opened when someone from a famous rock group like Blink-182 calls. So Tom DeLong is now a player in this space and they have opened this, I'm going to, Google it, but it's called To The Stars Academy. All right. Um, I'm going to just Google this, but go ahead and uh, and continue from there, Will, with what you saw. Oh, yeah. And I think it's – so, man, in my in my undergrad days, I had, a, I had a really cool philosophy teacher, and that course was, it wasn't, it was, he approached it at a different angle. So we studied a lot. We studied universes, like that sort of thing. We studied uh, planets, astronomy, that, that sort of thing, came at it from that angle. And so even before all this, when we thought UFOs were like super cuckoo, like we were having these discussions about universe expands uh, relative to time, right? As time goes by, universe expands. And what we it's kind of like getting when you get an advanced degree right you get a phd get an md whatever it may be is the more you get educated about things that you find out the more you don't know rather than the more you more know. you do know yeah exactly and so in that class like early on when you know people still thought ufos were just like conspiracy theory kind of geeky dudes like cruising around because they're paranoid he still leaves open the question of the probability you can't deny probability based on what we don't know and based on the expanding universe mm -hmm. um, and not to mention all these different things like you go multi-dimensions and and all those sorts of things and black holes and that like you can't you can't say that there is no life form right if you have it's hard to say that if you kind of have that that general background um about where we live as beings i'm not talking about the earth but just the totality of it and so for me it was always okay there's probably something out there i don't know if it's like a bug or a plant or something like that but there's something out there because there's so much that we don't know and probability of this happening right we think that we're advanced um maybe we're not so advanced or maybe we are advanced but th the matter of fact is we don't know and so all of this starting to come about where you actually have on record public officials with evidence saying that this and that is happening um, is really, it's a cool time because for so long you were, you were like a leper if, if, if you believed in this stuff. Yes. You were, you were thought of as a kook, but yeah. I, I remember I have certain milestones and I want to speak to really quickly. I want to just talk about Roswell. So from, I'm the type of guy who is not very smart. 
So what I try to do is to break things down to very, very simple terms, right? And so if when the Air Force comes out, and I was a member of that organization for 21 years and then worked with, I don't know how many years I've worked with it, and then like another seven years as a civilian. So when they come out and say in 1947, a UFO crashed in the desert outside of Roswell, they would not issue a press release like that if that's not what happened and then come back a day later and say it was a weather balloon that doesn't happen so mac brazel the guy whose ranch if you've lived out in new mexico and i've lived very close to where mac brazel and his ranch were and you get to know these types of people they're people that don't want to be in crowds don't want to be in cities don't want to be interviewed don't want to be famous don't want to be around people that's why they live on ranches out in the middle of new mexico and a guy once told me i said man i said i love the forest one of the things i don't like about the high desert plains is that there's no forest there's no trees he goes well to me i like being able to see the sky i like being able to see the horizon and if you block up the horizon, that's not cool for me. Okay, so we're all different. So these are the types of people. So when Mac Brazel calls the, the 509th over at, at Roswell and says there's been a crash, it's not because he wants a bunch of reporters coming to his house oh, to it. ask him about it. Yeah, those are it. not those types of people. Then you have the whole thing with the uh, that officer, and I can't remember, recall, what's the name, Jesse... Uh, the, the major, the guy who posed in the photo with the fake weather balloon. He was flown to, uh, to I think it was Love Field in Dallas, and said, you will pose with this material, and, and, and which was the torn up weather balloon. Yeah. So the Air Force then came out when they said it was a crash, when they ordered body bags, and they had two different airplanes flying this material off to Wright-Pat Air Force Base in Ohio, Shout out, Nick. What's up, man? Right, Pat. Because they didn't want to, um, if, if one plane crashed, they didn't want to lose all the material that they had, had gotten, stuff that went out of there on flatbed trucks out of the Brazil Ranch. All that stuff can be confirmed. People were threatened with death not to talk about this. And, of course, on their deathbed, they said, I don't care. I'm going to talk about it. So I believe those people. And I also believe what the Air Force said initially, which is this thing crashed. Secondly, I want to tell you guys about 2011. So it's probably the year I retired from the Air Force. I called a guy from back in New York that I knew growing up. And one of the first things I said to him was about when we were probably 13 or 14 years old. Somewhere between 13 or 14. And, one of the, and his name's Kenny Good. And I said, Kenny... I said, dude, did we see that UFO, man? Is that for real? And he said, yeah. He said, it is for real. I've never told you guys that. No, you haven't. But, uh, oh. uh, but it was coming. It was walking on our, our ranch because I actually grew up on a ranch, but nowhere near as rural. My ranch is more almost like sub -ur uh, rural to suburban, whereas you know, you're out in New Mexico where Mac Brazel lives. You're out there. Okay, mm -hmm. I live in hills and forests and stuff kind of near West Point is where I grew up. And 
one night uh, on a Sunday walking out of the ranch, and the ranch is usually, it's a dude ranch, so people come to stay there to, to do cowboy stuff, to to go out on horses and to play games and, and party and drink and, and use the pool and just be out in the fresh air. New York City people come there. It's not people like from all over the country. And one night, the ranch on Sunday night is the loneliest place because uh, everybody's, at, gone. everybody's gone. All the everybody, all the staff is up in their rooms. We had bunk, a lot of different bunk rooms that they lived in, and they're just like crashing out, getting ready to work for Monday morning. And Kenny and I were walking up the driveway of the ranch, and we saw one. And I'm like, "Dude, is that what I think it is?" And he's like, thinking. And we basically got back to my house to go to bed and said, we just talked about, man, we're not going to tell anybody about this because nobody's going to believe it. They're just going to think that we're weird. Holy so, shit, dude. Mm. I never, like, you're saying you actually saw one. Yeah. Uh, we believe that we, we believe what we saw was, we believe that's what we saw. This is post Air Force. This is when I was 13. When I was oh, a sorry. Kid. Oh, sorry. I was sorry, a child. Sorry, sorry. I was a oh, child. Oh, now, I mean, I'm a, like a trained observer now. But uh, yeah, okay. so if you could use that, if you could use those tools, your Air Force tools, and kind of reflect back on what you saw when you were 13, like how do you digest that now? I didn't, it's almost like you don't think it's real. We saw it like rise up above the tree line. And I can't remember, if, I don't think it came overhead us. I think it went the other direction. I don't think it passed over us. I think it went. We saw it up over the tree line, went the other way. Ironically, if you go back to around that time, about 80, 1980, there's a town close to me called Yorktown Heights. Kind of famous now because um, Alice, uh, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez also lived there. But it's, let's say, uh, 10 minutes from my house, something like that. And there were the Yorktown uh, State, uh, the, there's a, a state police barracks there. And they reported a sighting around the same time. Uh, there's two or three sources on the same night. And there's dispatcher uh, audio of them calling in a sighting around the same time. I'm not saying it was the same night that we saw, that we saw the ones that we saw. But it was in that same time frame in terms of a years. So can you remember what you saw? Can you describe it? It was something that was really uh, lit up. Uh, strangely lit up. Uh came up over the tree line and it looked like some sort of a uh, something that wasn't shaped like an airplane i was very familiar i was in love with airplanes from when i was a little kid so aviation was always something and it didn't look like that didn't when you say like lit up there when you say lit up lit up how with individual lights on it or just an overall glow or or what, what was it i remember it seemed like it was different color lights and it was pretty brief, but when we saw it, we're just like, holy shit, is that what I think it is? And he kind of said the same thing, and then we just talked about, we were probably, what, two, three minutes walk from my house, if that, and we're just like, man, let's just not even, let's not even wake anybody up and tell anybody because they're not going to believe us anyway. So they're just going to think we're crazy. So, so how long, how long did you keep it between the both of you? So... I uh, I don't think I ever told anybody about it. I don't think I ever told anybody. And when I called him, we hadn't talked in 20 some odd years, 25 years. Mm -hmm. And one of the first things I said to him 
after we're talking, catching up, yeah, where are you at? Oh, well, I'm in Long Island, you know, where I was, you know, my Air Force career was winding down. And one of the first things I said to him, I said, dude, did we like, did we really see that? Did that happen? And he said, that happened. It was something, conversation was like that. Did that happen? And he goes, yeah, that happened. So did it move in an abnormal way that's not airplane-like? Because you described the shape being non, non-airplane-like, but how did it move to make you think that's not airplane Well, it was, it was, uh, it, it, it came up in a manner, first of all, you didn't hear anything, right? So you're not mm. hearing, you're not hearing engines and stuff. You're not mm. hearing like, shh, you know, a jet, a jet engine noise or a helicopter noise. And you saw it come up above the tree line and then it kind of went, went the other direction away from us like faster than an airplane would uh you couldn't see because of the so we're downhill so mm-hmm. it's a picture we're down um if you're watching my hand now and, and, and you're listening it's down and then down so we're two steps down so the horizon the only horizon you have is the top of the trees mm-hmm. which you're now looking up okay so if you see something above that but it moves away from you then you don't see anything i'll look at just a google map real quick so i can see here's the interesting thing dj is if you told me this story even a year ago Mm -hmm. a year ago or more and i go my initial impression would be like that's a little kooky but i could see how there'd be a possibility Mm-hmm. Right. Most people will go, that DJ dude's kooky. He's that, saying that dude out of his mind. Yeah. But once you hear these guys, like if for those of you who are listening, who ha- have no idea what we're talking about, if you think we're kooky, just do a little bit of research. Right. You can most of you probably listen to Joe Rogan. You can go on and he's got a couple episodes where he's got respectable guys on there. Um, then you interpret what you're telling us completely different than how it would be you know years ago then years ago you're just crazy dj and you may not get into the military <laughs> oh yeah no i know now i'm, I'm uh, okay i'm i'm google mapping into the area now so i can see where my house where uh, the ranch was it's a it's a a jewish theological seminary now um but looking at it north south uh so Going off to the the east, that's where uh, Yorktown. So Yorktown Heights is basically directly east from where from where this is. Yorktown. Yeah, where where uh, like I said, where Acasio Cortez is. If I went dire- directly east from where I am, that's where Yorktown Heights is, and I could Google Map it just so that we can get a uh um have you been following any of this nick um i didn't see the the movie but i'll check it out but yeah i mean i i based on what you know you initially said will and i do believe your story dj i do think that you know there are some things out there i haven't really looked into the the academics of it from a lot of the experts but yeah i mean if people of the of, of if people from sort of higher educational backgrounds are sort of making these claims and and they seem pretty legit then yeah i mean i've always thought you know stuff like that does exist just out there but 
I never well, really delved into the fact of like the Roswell thing and like I've heard of Roswell but I didn't really know the specifics of it and everything like that and I mean my recent exposure to this subject probably wasn't the best based on um, the town that I live in in uh, McMinnville, Oregon they throw a UFO fest every mm -hmm. year and it's like the second or third largest UFO convention in uh, the country not necessarily meaning that <laughs> The people that go and do these panels are sort of, uh, I don't know, academically, you know, legit or anything like that. A lot of them are just from personal stories of people and, and people making these documentaries that haven't been made before or haven't been, haven't been released, I guess, and everything. So some of, some of the claims from some of these people don't hold a lot of merit in my eyes just because it's just basically their subjective view on things and some of them are some of these some of these stories are very out there like i had a story of a lady just real quick that claimed she saw a ufo and she was in this documentary that I was talking to will about that 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 this guy was making and this lady was she was like a she was a child in Af somewhere in africa and they mm -hmm. saw this like ufo and everything in broad daylight and it went and it was like descriptive though it was like this this thing came down there's a flashy light and these sort of figures came out and they were like silver and they had these like big eyes and they, sh they were like really descriptive of like what came out and it was in broad daylight and they were like at recess or something and then like it happened and then boom they just like then well, they disappeared let, let's, then like let's... years later this lady let's talk whatever, about it years later this, this lady this... was like yeah my this is part of the movie, actually. Yeah, in Australia, they yeah. there okay. was a there was a um, incident in the movie of uh, the phenomenon where uh, these kids in Australia—I can't remember when it was—they're they, grown-up adults now, mm -hmm. but there was one that came and landed next to a school, and some of the students like jumped over to the fence to go check it out and actually saw it. Like I don't know if it was it was just off the ground or on the ground or whatever it may be. And one of the interesting things yeah. is it was a it was a number of them, right? And so they grab they get them all back, and then the um, I kind of the kicker of it was they interview the science teacher of the school who hadn't said anything up until that point, like this part of the movie, and even even up until now he still wanted his identity identity right. to be kept secret, right? Right. But he basically says I didn't say anything. I saw this. This is what I saw. I saw this. Because the reason why I didn't say anything is because I had two people come visit my house, and they told me if I did say something, then they would report that I was drunk at school, and then you would lose your job or something like that. And um, that's messed up, man. Yeah, yeah. So we decided not to say anything. But you have like multiple people who who like saw something up close. Yeah. Well, the the one that I yeah. found even more intriguing than that was the story that happened in Zimbabwe. And so, Nick, if you haven't seen this, and I sent you that gift thing, so you better watch it. Merry Christmas, happy Merry holiday. Christmas. I, did, I didn't realize I was able to see it with the thing. Okay. Yeah. I, that's I what... thought I'd pay $5. <laughs> I, gave, I gave you a $5 gift card, you meathead. That, hey, that came oh, out that of the was, show um, corporate account. That's Christmas oh, okay. bonus, baby. That's your Christmas bonus right there. Oh, it was man. it was that's in that bonus. It was in that big contract that you signed to get on the show, Nick. You're matching 401k. All right. Oh, I, I really so, didn't read the contract through. 
I'm, yeah, it's clearly I get your attorney. But, um, okay, so basically this is one of the greatest stories that I've never heard uh, of UFOs, uh, one of them. It is just like Will said what happened in Australia, except they land on the playground and there is like 64 children out on the playground and they run over to this thing. So a week after the incident, I mean, you could imagine the absolute terror of the parents, administrators at this school, and so on and so forth. So they send a Harvard, I don't know, he was a, like a psychology kind of a professor over there to interview the kids uh, 10 days after the incident. All 64 told the same story. So he says to one girl, he goes, how close were you to this being? And she goes, one meter. And he's like, he said, one meter. And she says, yeah, like I could reach out and touch him. Now, just imagine being that close to like a no kidding alien. And there's a couple of them standing outside the craft. And they're wearing something that looks like a, a tight black wetsuit and had big heads. And he goes, did he communicate with you? She goes, well, not not with their voice they didn't say anything but their thoughts they were able to to, to speak in our minds How about that the impressive thing that goes unnoticed is that how consistent their recall was 10 days after yeah, right. Cool. To have multiple, well, to have one person recall ten days after what they saw, but then have multiple people corroborate ten days after what other people saw in addition to what they saw. I mean, Plus if you just kids. just yeah. from a cognitive psychology kind of memory perspective, that's 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 pretty amazing. They don't lie. Like, there's no reason that kids don't just. It, I, I mean, I'm not saying kids don't lie, but. You're not going to get 64 kids to fabricate something like that. It's just not going to happen. It's one of the most amazing uh, close encounters of the third kind, as they say, that I've ever heard. I mean, it's just they said they were within arm's length. And basically they were they were giving them a message like take care of the planet and stuff like that. You know, beware of technology, take care of your planet, stuff like that. Crazy. It That's is crazy. It's, it's absolutely bizarre. So take your $5 thing and go and watch it because we're going to cover it again next show. $5. Yeah, take it. $5. $5. $5. And let me. Um, all right. That's about all I have for this show. Uh, I got to get Funkarama queued up so I don't get in trouble. But before we do that, <laughs> um, <laughs> so I don't get thrown off the show by Will. Um, all right. I've got Funkarama queued up. Um, but we do have something, uh, a segment that we've been working on called the nerd word of the week by Will, right? Will? Nerd word. Oh yeah. All right. There I'm... we go. <laughs> I didn't make this up. You guys made it up. Yeah. But it's we fun. Did. We did. So but it's fun. Yeah, it is fun. So what it, what the way that this works, the nerd word of the week is. Oh boy. I didn't approve that. Okay, the nerd word, the way it works is that one word we will see if uh, any of us have ever used this word in the sentence, 
and then Nick and I will make a bet on whether or not Will has used ever used a second word in a sentence ever. So that's how this works. And let me just... Okay, here we go. Okay, so the first word, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Have any of you used the word, this word in a sentence before, ignominious? Has anyone ever used the word ignominious and the definition is deserving or causing of public disgrace or shame? Never. <laughs> Nick? Uh, no. <laughs> Nick was wanting to say, hell no. All right, now. <laughs> Never. Will, so you have to remain silent for this next one. Nick and I will bet $10. Which will be deposited in his Amazon account. On uh, whether or not Will has used this word within the last 365 days. That's a year. Okay. And the word is Will's word of the week, fortuitous. Yeah. I say What yes do you on. say? I say What do you yes. say? I say yes. Yes, absolutely. Yes. We always agree, DJ. Absolutely, we always yes. agree. Damn it! Ah, but, but that's good. Nobody's lost yet. I mean, yeah. Nobody's so what you have money. to do next time, what you have to do is submit your answer to me in the message. So in the message stream here. So you guys can't see each other's uh, answers. Oh, okay. All right. right? So we'll do a blind reveal. Yeah, because yeah, DJ says yes, and then Nick goes, I'm hedging my bet. I'm going to say yes, too. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say yes, right? regardless. Or vice versa. Or There's no versa. bias here. All right. Oh, no, I, I, I said I had no – I was not hesitant at all in saying I, yes. I did not say it in, in an academic or formal setting. I said it um, on the golf course. Yeah. You Instead did. Instead of saying, you lucky son of a bitch, I was like, that was very fortuitous. That was a fortuitous putt that you had there, my, my old boy. That's when Nick <laughs> has got, like, his derby on. He's trying to look like doing some Payne Stewart type shit. Uh, no, never. Do you smoke a pipe? I don't know. It's probably it's like, like. I got to go so Cal Cool. I try to go so Cal Cool on the golf course. Of course. All if right. I, if, I'm, if I'm not going to wear it in public, I'm not wearing it on the golf course. All right. Well, you are listening to the sounds of Kevin McLeod and Funkorama. Any parting shots? Anything from uh, from the doctors in? No. If you haven't checked out the UFO stuff, check it out. It's um, it's so fascinating to listen to uh, because you have different people. You have observers. You have high level government officials. Um, you have uh, academics, the researchers, right? You have all forms of different people. Um, collaborating on all this information or corroborating all this information is super cool it's a really fun rabbit hole to go down it is very very legit and it has made it now when you have airline pilots uh that have come out i saw some uh, photos from an airline pilot um and fighter pilots now there was just last week uh a uh we've only seen a representation of this via basically it's an artist's uh, recreation of a triangular craft, a fighter pilot last week snapped an iPhone photo of a triangular UFO right out his windscreen at about the two o'clock position. And it's just, I mean, I mean, what do we say about that? I mean, this is just like a week ago. 
Uh, and the Pentagon has not released it yet, but the story got out and uh, the New York Times, I think, posted a representation of this craft. And there have been a lot of crafts uh, I've heard a lot about. In fact, the one in Yorktown Heights, I believe, was a triangular craft as well. So Here's the thing is we've, we wrap, we talked about media and, and reporters and um, it being part of how we do things in this country. Um, but publications, serious publications like the New York Times aren't going to they sat on this for how how many years dj because if they put something like this out right and it's like they need solid solid sources to be able to put this stuff out so for them to be able to start putting this stuff out now um they're okay with it because they have really solid good sources to back this up rather rather than you know just kind of cuckoo people who are super into ufos or couldn't make things up or whatever it may be there yeah there's a big reputation i mean chris mellon was you know an undersecretary of defense for intelligence lou elizondo was you know i I think he was like a gs-13 in the government which i would kill to be but he you know they gave this up because they said it's very important that people know this information the military obviously does not like having craft flying around that we cannot Basically, that they can fly with impunity through our airspace. Their job is to secure our airspace. That's what they do. Basically, say you will not fly over this continental United States if you are not authorized. And they do because they can. And there's nothing we can do about it. So, um, so it's very disconcerting. Nick, you have a very puzzled look on your face, my friend. I'm gonna think that. He thinks Watch we're kooks, DJ. Yeah, he He's like, he's these right. two guys are kooks. I'm not coming back next week. All right. Last episode, peace. All right. So, <laughs> so, so watch everybody. Watch the phenomenon. On uh, I was told today to watch it on uh, Apple or Vimeo because there's three hours of extra content. Oh. I heard that from the director on a podcast. So just bear that in mind that there is extra content if you watch it on Vimeo and or Apple rather yeah, check than, out the, than Amazon. Yeah, and check out the Bob Lazar interviews um, on Joe Rogan or check out Lex Friedman interviews, um, interviewing a variety of guys. David uh, Fravor, Commander Fravor, yeah. absolutely yeah. fascinating. Um, thank you very much. Please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and uh, hit us up on Twitter at Life underscore mma underscore and nba obviously nick is still at eats thrash and dr will woo on twitter Give what us the a hell shout. happened to bjj and BJ. connor what the <laughs> fuck is going on here hey he's a better wrestler than khabib man i'm just kidding all right <laughs> he's a love- better he's a better grappler than everybody thinks <laughs> all right for dr will woo and Nick Cazono, I'm DJ San Marcos saying peace out, one love, and we'll see you down the road.